What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Five Mike's husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Idea of Manhood podcast. About three weeks ago, we received a phone call from our son's school. It was one of the first phone calls we'd received from our son's school. He's in a new school this year, eighth grade, uh, in our new county in North Carolina. We received a call from an instructional coach. And so basically, this is the position in schools that helps to ensure that uh, teachers are teaching well, making sure they have the right strategies uh, and they're, uh, you know, engaging in appropriate uh, tactics in the classroom. And so when we saw the school number come up on the phone, we kind of bristled and they're like, here we go. Hello? Yes, this is Mr. Andrews. Um conversation kind of went like this they were calling because our son's math grades uh, from the previous year on one of the standardized tests were low right Uh, they you know they were still in the proficient range but they were low especially considering that our son is in the talented and gifted program. So he was taking advanced math last year. His scores were low and she was just calling to hear uh, what we thought, uh, hear if we had any insight and to make sure that we understood the results from the statewide testing. We understood, we knew them. um, And we explained to the woman that called that we just moved to North Carolina from Maryland the previous year. There was definitely some, you know, the curriculums weren't aligned as, you know, they don't necessarily, they shouldn't be because, you know, two different states, two different counties, and that there was some content that he missed, clearly, because our son was pretty much an A-B student in math in Maryland, and he came to North Carolina and struggled, struggled really hard. It was a tough challenge for him. Uh, The content was one thing, but then also the way that the county that we are in currently, the way that they grade is different. In our previous county in Maryland, homework and class participation counted on the grade books. So if you turn in your homework, you got a hundred, you know, in the grade book, and that averaged a certain percent of the overall grade. Here, it didn't average in. So he would do his homework, but it didn't count for or against your grade. Um, so the tests and the quizzes are what primarily made up the, you know, the the grades that were on the report card. So 
expectations were a little higher. Um, he had to perform. And it was, hey, if you do well, you get a good grade. If you don't, you don't. And that's kind of it, right? Um, so we explained to her there was some content gaps and that we got him a tutor. He's going to Kumon. He's kind of trying to fill in some of those gaps. And on the phone, the conversation, I'm sure the woman called our house probably with a little trepidation, you know, sharing some bad news with the family, you know, can go left at any time. But the way that she engaged us was so respectful. It was so professional. It was so caring. And she called to get information from us. Right. And so, you know, we're having a conversation. We're letting her know about our son. And ultimately, the question was, all right, Mr. And Mrs. Andrews, you know, your son is currently taking math one, which in North Carolina is basically the equivalent of algebra one, ninth grade math. He's in eighth grade. And the instructional coach said, you know, this is an advanced math course for an eighth grader. Um, you know, there is still an option for him to take math eight, which is, you know, the eighth grade math on level. Or he could stay in math one. And so, you know, my wife and I kind of looked at each other and took a deep breath. And we said, you know, we, you know, we really want to keep him. We think that he could do well in math one. Right. And the instructional coach said, excellent. And she said, if you didn't say that, I was going to say that. And she said, you know, the main reason we're calling is because we wanted to just kind of hear how, you know, how your son approaches his work and, you know, just to ensure that he had your support. Um, and we're going to give him the support he needs. But knowing that he has your support, knowing that, you know, we're all above board, we're going to make sure that he's successful in math one. In that moment, I shed a tear <laughs> a legit like I had an ugly face cry when we hung up the phone our son is in eighth grade and this is the first time as parents that we've received a call from the school district the teacher and representative from education that was handled in such a way where we didn't feel like we lost something at the end of it. Do you understand? Our son is 13 years old. He's been in school for nine years already. And that was the first call that my wife and I were handled with dignity with the understanding that we know our son probably better than the school does, with that assumption that we know our son. This was the first time that an educator said to us that they wanted to challenge our son, that they were going to also support our son through his challenges. 
right? Any educator knows that that balance between challenge and support is where growth happens, right? This woman on the other line said that she was going to help our son grow and make sure that the school does whatever it can to make that happen. Do you understand that for the seven years before that phone call, eight years before that phone call, we have never had a positive phone call interaction with the previous school district that our children were in. And when I cried after we got off that phone, and just let, just to let you know, like, I know I've cried on this podcast probably two or three times. I'm not a crier. I don't cry. I'm sensitive. I'm not emotional. Does that make sense? Like, I feel everything. I don't really express everything. And these moments leave me so emotionally drained or this one moment in particular did because I felt like a battered spouse that finally found someone to treat her right or treat him right. Right. Like I felt like I had been in an abusive relationship for 13 years and finally found a partner that was going to support me and love me. That wasn't going to beat me. And it was at that moment that I shed a tear that I knew that I had been abused the years prior. Right. I had been abused by the hands of a school system that was only there to teach my child. And this is me. Right. Five mics, husband, father, educator is the third mic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like educator is in the title of my moniker. I'm a lifelong educator. I know how to maneuver within systems. I'm not a dummy. I know who to talk to. I know how to talk to folks. I know that you got to make teachers feel like they're the most important thing to get what you need for your kid or else that's how I thought. That's how I had been trained by the previous school system to have to damn near praise and genuflect towards teachers so that they could treat me and my children with respect. I knew that when I called to talk to the principal that it was a 95% chance that not only was I not going to be able to talk to him or her, that there was a 93% chance that they weren't going to call me back. I knew that. I knew that when I walked into a school building that I would probably be greeted with an attitude and probably have to wait in a waiting room for 30 to 40 minutes to speak to someone effectively about answering whatever question I had and that once they did answer my question, that it would probably be with an attitude and I would leave the school building feeling frustrated. That was what I knew and that is what Physically, mentally, and emotionally, I shifted to make that the norm. I shifted to make that experience normal for me. So when someone treated me with dignity and respect from the school system, all I could do was cry. I was so swollen with emotion, right, that 
all I could do. I did not have the words to speak of my gratitude in that moment. I, I didn't me did not have the words. I pounded on the bed and my wife was like, what's wrong? You OK? And I was like, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. That was a bad news call that she called and shared so much grace and gratitude and just respect and mutual respect. And we had a conversation and we taught her things about our son. You feel me? So when I entitled this episode, Day Schools, it was titled after the Dead Press song from the uh, 90s. Yeah, that was the 90s. Whoa. That was probably 99. Dead Press, a group out of Brooklyn. I think one stick is from Brooklyn. M1 is from North or South Carolina. And they had a song called Day Schools. And it's probably one of the most amazing songs. And it's all about the American school system. Day Schools can't teach us shit. My people need freedom. I'm trying to get all we can get. All my high school teachers can, uh, 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 talking white man lies is just bullshit, right? Um, I went to school with some redneck crackers right around the time Third Base dropped the, cat, dropped the Cactus album. I was reading Malcolm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So that song, you know, represents the experience that a lot of black folks and brown folks and folks from the hood and folks that are poor represent the sentiment that a lot of us have when it comes to school, when it comes to the school system, when it comes to the education system. Right now, I haven't talked a lick about instruction. I haven't talked about the efficiency or the efficacy, if that's the right word, the pedagogy of school teachers or, you know, or what's happening in the classroom or homework. Nothing like that. I'm talking about outright decency, respect, humility. What are all those things? Those are all human emotion. Those are all human foundational experiences that we all deserve as parents. Now, I don't know if the actions of this instructional coach is representative, is representative, is that right? Represented, representative of the entire county that I'm in in North Carolina. I don't know. But I've had more positive interactions like that, that mirror that in this county, even when it's not good news, even when my son is acting like an ass, even when, you know, he's playing too much or he's talking too much. Even those calls or those emails that we get, it's just like, hey, Mr. Andrews, we just want you to know. That's it. We got it. We just want you to know. In the other county where we came from in Maryland, it wasn't the same. Teachers would call me with the attitude. Teachers would teachers would call me assuming that they were going to get something from me that was different than what I gave, right? They called with a negative mindset about me. I could hear it in their voice. You know when someone like doesn't like you or doesn't feel the 
best of you or doesn't expect much from you. You know what that feels and looks like, right? And so, um, you know, I, I highlighted this story because I'm an educator. And I know how to maneuver within these education streets, right? Like I know how to make things happen. I know who to call. I know who to talk to. Uh, if I don't get a certain answer, I know where to go. There are millions of people in this country that don't have that experience. That would have had the negative abusive behavior that I received on behalf of my son or that my son was whatever in Maryland and would have just given up and would have just said, you know what? F this school, whatever. We're just going to get through. We'll just graduate, baby. That's it. Then you can leave these people alone. We don't need nothing from them no more. And these are the type of things that I hear from my son's friends, parents, or when I'm working as an educator, in different communities and I talk to parents like, yo, do you talk to the school? Like they don't care about my kids. They don't, nah, 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 right. And these are in different urban environments where the teachers are black and brown and the kids are black and brown, right. Where they teach and treat our kids differently. They schools don't teach us shit. They don't teach us shit and they don't treat us like shit or they treat us exactly right. They teach and treat us exactly like they think of us, right? And that's black and brown folks and white folks alike. And I think a lot of us as people of color, we always put that, you know, we you know, we always put that to the white people. Like white people don't care about us. They treat us like this. The school system is prejudiced, is racist. But in, in, in the county that we came from, one of the richest counties in the state one of the richest counties for black folks in the country, we were treated like this. And I am never, ever one to play any kind of victim role or be like, oh, they out for me or I got haters and this and that. And that's never me. But I'm going to tell you with a thousand percent assuredness that the experiences and the interactions that we had in this other school district in Maryland were absolutely abusive. They were absolutely counterproductive. They absolutely assumed the worst of my son and us as parents. They were absolutely counterproductive to his learning and to his approach to learning. So not only what he learned in class, but his desire to come back next week or next year or in the future and learn more were severely impacted by the system that we were in in Maryland counteract that to where we are now in uh, uh, in North Carolina and it's different you know the work is just as hard if not harder teachers are just as strict if not stricter uh, more strict but the expectation is that we're all here together. Teachers, students, families, like we're all here to learn. We care about you. We love you. You're going to do well here. That's the expectation. That's the minimum. 
Those are the messages that are sent to us as parents every day. Those are the messages that are sent to the students every day. That's what we're dealing with and what we see here in North Carolina. So when you talk about, you know, and this, we're in uh, North Carolina, I think it's the 46th lowest uh, amount per student in terms of funding, the 46th out of 50th state. Uh, Maryland is maybe somewhere in the 13th, 14th range. So we're always talking about, oh, the communities most impacted by inequity, the poorest schools. It's not about the money. It's about the people in these schools. Half of them don't belong there. I'm saying it. I know there's a couple groups of people we don't like to talk about in this country. We don't like to talk about teachers. We don't like to talk about police officers. We don't like to talk about military people. We don't like to talk about nurses. We don't like to talk about, you know, any service profession. Well, let me tell you what. The people that make up those professions are, guess what? People. And by and large, eh, that's negative. Many of those people should not be in the professions that they're in. And when it comes to educating our children, our expectations should be higher. We should demand more from the people that are in front of our children every day. We should demand more from the principals that lead the teachers that are in front of our children every day. We should demand more from the instructional superintendents, from the superintendents that lead the principals, that lead the teachers, that impact the custodians that impact the lunch lady that impacts the bus drivers that are interacting with our children every day we should not take it for granted that just because these teachers uh entitle themselves and label themselves as teachers and always oh, teacher appreciation week no no let's not assume that those things are happening just because these folks are labeled in this profession Right. We need people that care about our children and that care about the communities that they serve and that are uh, committed, that are committed to uh, treating families and students with respect, humility and guess what? Love. So when I say they schools, we have to demand we have to demand more from they schools because they schools are our schools, and like it or not, our children are in these schools, and these schools, they schools have to do better. My name is Five Mike's husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please spread the word. Please demand more from your school. If you need help, if you need to brainstorm ways of how we do this, hit me up. I got some thoughts. I got some ideas. Peace, y'all.